this is that other sports show. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, I must report uh, there has been a death in the Toss family. And that is my my spirit of Bill's Mafia. I feel dead inside. I just wanted to start that off and let you all know that that's where I'm coming from this entire show. The entire show. Put on your black clothes. Black shirt, black shoes, black tie. I want you all to be decked out and mourn for me and the rest of Bill's Mafia because that is where I am at right now, folks. Just news around the neck, almost over the light posts. Let me hop in. No, here. not that far, guys. So uh, we've we've taken the shoelaces from Jess within yes. the last 24 hours. All sharps have been removed. <laughs> It's a 24-hour isolation, but it has nothing to do with COVID. It's nothing. For his, it's for his protection as well as possible. COVID has nothing center. on this right now. Folks, Okay, no, let me, a... let me. I'm going to kick off the show here. Please Shout out to you, the Please. listener. It's t- at Team Toss 21, that other sports show, episode three, season whatever. We are back. Shout out Jesse Thomas, our fearless leader a.k.a. Captain America, I honestly thought it was a 50-50 chance that you would do today's show. I knew you would be hurting. When the Cowboys lost last week, I had 48 hours in between the loss and when we hit record to fully absorb the loss. So by the time that I think I got on air, I was more angry, right? You're still in the hurt dog phase. So... We are going to come with a little bit of a saddened tone, but shout out Jess for showing up today, putting his game face on, putting his fucking makeup on and saying, I'm still going to do this shit. I'm still going to perform to the best of my ability. We will get to the bills. We promise you. We said in pregame, we have a lot of football to talk and there's only three games left that matter. We're not counting the Pro Bowl. Okay. We got NFC, AFC, and then the World Series of Football, also known as the Super Bowl. God, I'm excited for the halftime show, too. I'm actually excited for the halftime show. I don't know if that's happened since Prince performed. Uh, Wow. The halftime halftime shows have been super PC. Mm -hmm. Super... Weekend, weekend wasn't bad, though. Weekend hey, look, guys, bad. we don't want no more of Janet Jackson's titties falling out, even no. though we do. That's exactly what we want. But they're not We're gonna horned, it but we want to be safe. Uh, if anything, I would like to I would rather see Rihanna's titties fall out. I'm just putting that out there. <clears throat> you know, if anybody wants to, like, have a wardrobe malfunction, I think she would be more than happy to actually do it. And then it would be much more self-serving for all the rest of us. Have you seen uh have you seen Cardi B's titties? I mean, we're gonna be talking about some titties flopping out. I'd Cardi rather see Cardi B. B's titties. Cardi B. Mm-hmm. The, she's she's the one Rihanna's beautiful. She's got, Rih- the, Rihanna- she's got the sexy tattoo under the titty, which is just a whole nother level of horn. If you Rih- ask me. Rihanna, though, Rihanna is just out of the, she's yes. out of this world, she's on another level, she's on another planet, another universe. Yes. yes. Cardi B is just stripper sexy and just like everyone's already seen them titties, but it's okay. I'll see him again. And and yeah. I know that we're way off. Topic. Bring him out. I just want to say no, we're good. he is more I than happy. 
she is more than happy to be stripper sexy. I, I think that it's she made it, it's, a lot of money is, on doing it. It is absolutely made a lot of money doing it, Jeff. Absolute bravado that a woman mm. can be proud that she is stripper sexy and not classy sexy or Rihanna type sexy, where you know that yes. universal mysterious when you, sexy. When you can there's just, myster- when you can just come out and be like, you know what, I'm gonna let my shit hang out because everybody likes to see it. I'm gonna make some cash off that. I'm stripper sexy. Cheers to all you ladies for doing that and having the balls to do so. Be mysterious like Rihanna, where every man wonders, how does her ass taste? Oh, God. Yes. And if if any man listening, shit, if anybody's listening right now, and they say that they (laughs) haven't thought about that, no, you are wrong, folks, because you have, and don't be liars. We don't have listeners who are liars on this show, okay? Don't lie to us. (laughs) No. Only, Only the... The truth tellers listen to this. Only show. the truth tellers. Only the truth. Um, <laughs> so there's fights. We're gonna start there. We should. The moment in t- the moment in time, which hurts the UFC here, Jess, because I heard there were tremendous fights before the two main events of UFC 270. I couldn't tell you how they were because I didn't watch them because the 49ers and the Packers were playing at the same time, and this mammoth fucking death star known as the NFL is going to take precedence at all times, especially in my house with my wife is a San Francisco 49ers fan. Well, with so, a playoff game in general. It's a playoff. Yeah. I mean, well, well, I mean, so here's where my head was at. And I had this conversation with my wife. I said, if this game becomes a blowout either way, right, we're 17, 20 points out and it's in the fourth quarter, we're going to probably switch to the fights here, right? She's fine with it. She says, hey, I'll watch the game on my phone. I'll go in the room and watch. It doesn't matter, right? The problem is that was such a good fucking game. That game wasn't getting switched off. The drama in that game when we hit the fourth quarter was so good that, that I, I just missed. I, I couldn't even tell you who fucking won the fights. I did not get into the fights until <laughs> the game ended and I switched over and Figueroa and Moreno were walking out. Um, Jess, I know you've probably just seen highlights of this. I don't, I don't know if you've been able to catch the fight. Do you have any thoughts on this fight? Uh, Figueredo and Moreno? Yes, sir. Oh, my God. Great fight. Fantastic. Incredible fight. Uh, it really – it started off super technical, especially by uh, by the champ, uh, now former champ. But the time champ, Brandon Moreno. Moreno came out. He looked sharp. He looked crisp. He looked quick on his feet. He was throwing the good combos. He was landing some really good shots. And, uh, and then he just kind of uh, – he just it, kind of faded. It's I, I, tricky, I, I, Jess. It's tricky because this this is one of those how do you score fights? Aggression, yes. volume, and I know at some point either Cormier or someone in the 15-man uh, booth said, I would hate to be one of the judges scoring this fight. And I agreed because they, these were the first, I want to say three or maybe three of the first four, they were difficult rounds to score. No, definitely. Uh, within that first four rounds, I you know what? Solid round four and five were getting – well, obviously, round five uh, was a figure eight for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, close the show. Uh, four was uh, him heating up and really attacking and getting going uh, with what – I think I he dropped he Moreno in yeah. the fourth round too. So I think he dropped um, him in the third and the fourth. He, dro- he dropped him with, with – 
One was like a flash drop where he just catches him with a good jab coming in, and then uh, the other one was like, a, "Oh, he dropped his ass like with a right hand." The the last drop was uh, it was legit. It was thrown with some ferocity, mm-hmm. and it was meant with bad intentions, and and that's exactly what happened. Brenna Moreno, for whatever reason, took his foot off the gas. Uh, I did not watch this whole fight, so yeah. I, I don't want to exactly throw everything into into the well here. But from the highlights that I saw from the round one to round five, he started off fast, mm-hmm. and quick, real technical, as I'd mentioned before. And as the fight progressed, it's almost as if in his head he was thinking, if I just hold on from this point, I will remain champion and I will take this uh, best two out of three that, that we've got now. And, I, and I, people will look at me, and I will get that respect more than just being the fun gainer Lego guy. I will be known as a top pound-for-pound guy. It, feel, it felt like that. I could be yeah, wrong, it was, maybe. It was, but it was interesting to me for sure. because it, the way that I saw it was the, these are the two best guys in the world. They're there. I don't even like doing the one and one a, this is the classic man. If these guys fought 10 times, we have no idea what would happen. Cause it would be 10 different fucking fights. Um, I, again, when I look back at this fight, when I scored the first round, I thought this is a Moreno round, but it's close. When I scored the second round, I thought this is a Moreno round, but it's close. When I scored the third round, I thought, eh, you know, I, I think I'm leaning Moreno, but that could be a figgy round, but I'm going to give it, you know, so it got, you know, I tweeted about it too. It, it got really interesting in those championship rounds. And I believe that's when the knockdowns came as well. There was a, a straight right hand. Jess, they would get in these exchanges and Moreno does things with his hands that no other fighter does. Not Aldo, not fucking none of these guys. Uh, he would slip, throw a, a hook to the body, a hook up top, a left foot body, left hook up top, and then come back with a right hand. That's boxing shit. That's uh, Eric Morales. That's in Marco Antonio Barrera. That shit you don't see. That is high, 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 high level MMA. Uh, but Figueredo, to his credit, was able to avoid a lot of this shit. At some point, it went. Bull Matador with Figueredo being a fantastic Matador landing that overhand right as a lead counter and it was effective. Um, he started throwing some leg kicks in there that were that were effective too. Moreno was throwing like spinning calf kicks, which is just shit you never see. That's the video game nerd in him. But I tweeted it, Jess. There's a moment. There's many moments in the fight where I'm looking at Moreno and his fluidity is Anderson Silva level. And it's the only way to describe it. He does a southpaw fluidity Anderson Silva thing and then rolls to a right-hand boxing stance and it's like a Mayweather shoulder roll. It's so fucking impressive that it's really difficult to pick up unless you're looking for it. it. It reminds me a lot of, where Dominic Cruz was defensively, where you're just like, man, this motherfucker is hard to catch. But, I mean, the exchanges in this fight, again, a lot of them, I think I would give the slight advantage to Moreno because he was just throwing those threes and fours and Figgy was just waiting, dipping, big right hand, body shot, uh, kicks. Um, I thought Moreno won the fight, Jess, but again, 
we say it all the time. We've been doing this show for a million years. When these fights are this close and when they go to a decision, you can't really be mad at the outcome, right? Regardless who you pick here. We always want to look right on the show. Yeah. But th- this is one of those fights. Again, I when the when the fight ended, I went, man, it's this is a really tough fight to score, man. And if they give it to Figgy, I can't be mad. But I scored it for Moreno myself, 3-2. Yeah. Um, again, I didn't. I didn't get to watch the fight, so I'm not gonna give a scorecard. Uh, I, I I can see where uh, in you being a fight connoisseur that you are, you said that it felt like a three-two uh, Moreno. Uh, I saw other people say three-two Figgy. I saw mm-hmm. some people say you know it was a draw. I heard all sorts of stuff. I saw four-one Figgy on some scorecards. When with people from people whose opinions I respect, but again, it's also MMA Twitter. When fights go that way, and there's such a, a all over the place scorecard from all these regular civilian folks, fans, MMA Twitter fans, MMA Twitter pundits, and MMA Twitter media. Uh, to me, that just means that the fight was so damn close that it was either really, really spectacularly good or really, really spectacularly boring. In this case, it was really, really spectacularly good. It was a very, very good fight. It's very rare that you get people right after a fight going, running back, running back, running back, right? We got it with Holloway, Volk. You know, you get it with, with Aldo Holloway. All these fights I'm going to say now involve Holloway and all involve, all involve guys that are under 155. But you get my point. When these fights are this thin, we want to see them again. This is incredibly competitive. And again, these are the two best dudes in the division. And when the fight was over and I was talking with a buddy of mine, we went, well, well who do we want to see? Like, who's the third guy in the mix? This isn't like the Usman thing where you go, well, man, I'd like to see Usman Colby again, but there's this guy and there's this guy and there's this guy. There's there's none of that. It's just, man, I just want to see these two dudes bang again until there's just a, until there's a real definitive winner. And after last fight, you know, the I guess it was the second fight, it felt like Moreno was the definitive winner. And now you look at it and go, well, damn, did did the effects of COVID fuck with Figgy? Did the effects of taking a lot of fights in that year when nobody was taking fights due to COVID affect him? Uh, did the weight cut or the or the the lack of having the struggle with the weight cut affect him this time um, positively? Right, like man, this was an easy weight cut for him this time because he's working with Triple C. Was it working with Triple C this fight? the difference now right we're all seeing these photos now these this camp that triple c is putting together of just absolute fucking killers and you start to wonder okay well well, maybe that's what's going on there's so many different variables here jess where i'm like fuck it i don't want to wait six months let's do this shit again in three months yeah 100 like like you said there's there's certain times in 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 a in a division in a weight class uh, you may want to see two fighters run it back because it was a really good fight, but there's so many guys underneath. Number one, two, three, four, and five are all right there at the doorstep waiting for that next shot. Where the guy who just lost, unfortunately, has to go to the end of the line. Like that's just the way it is, unless the money is right to be made. But in this weight class, in this division, Figgy and Moreno are it. Below that, there's there's fantastic athletes who will be able to come in and put on a decent show, but they wouldn't be able to beat the brakes off either one of these two guys. Yeah. 
on a given night. It's not, it's not, it's not Askarov. It's not Carl France, who we love. It's not Alex Perez. It's not Brandon Roy Vall. Not yet. It's not any of these guys yet. Two guys. And 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 again, there's guys on the up and up. Like you and I have talked about Kai Car France. We both think that this guy's a killer, and he's got a legit shot at being something great in the future. But he's so few fights in right now, and he hasn't had to face the competition of either a Marino or a Figu- Figueredo, okay. where I believe that you almost have to. If you're Dana White, you almost have to run this fight back one more time. Is a fourth fight, I mean, is that even a – is that a thing? Have, has the USC done a fourth I think fight? There's one, I think there's one in there because there was a weird thing like this one where there's a draw in There's there. a draw somewhere. So they go, oh, well, there's a fourth one because – or maybe there was like a uh, like an eye poke or some shit, so the fight happened, but it was like a DQ or a no contest, so where they go, oh, well, well, technically this is the fourth. I guess we're I'm gonna have to Google that right now while we're fucking gonna, while we jump into the next fight here. But um, Jess, again, I threw the names out here, you know, outside of those guys and outside of somebody dropping down, which I don't want to see either. These are the two best guys at 125 in the world. Shout out Marias, who's in uh, one. Shout out Demetrius Johnson, who's bouncing around one. Those two dudes can fight each other over there. But this is the fight. And again, after this fight, we're always going on this show. What's the next fight to make? What do we do with the winner? What do we do with the loser? This is an obvious uh, answer here. We know what to do with the winner. We know what to do with the loser. Make them fight each other again. And if there's not a definitive winner in that one, fucking do it a fifth time, as long as they're exciting and fun fights. <laughs> well, out, out of those, out of the three fights so far, there's only been the one finish, I believe, and that was Marino with the, the sub, last one. Biggie in the second, in the, the, technically the second fight. And so there's not been a real definitive winner. Let's run this shit back again. Yeah. The win so the else. first one, the first one, in my opinion, if you remember, this was the whole, I believe someone had got COVID or someone had, had, had I got, we got to look back at the stats here and I'm probably fucking this up, but there was something COVID related that pushed this fight like a few weeks and then Figgy took it. And it was the draw, but from what I remember, I thought Moreno had won this fight. But this was a fight, if I remember right, where Moreno got blasted in the balls like twice. There were two really, really big low blows in this fight. Um, but I thought this was a fight where we went, oh, uh, Figueredo's he's got a chink in his armor. He's beatable. You know, he, he isn't Anderson Silva in his prime. He isn't fucking Aldo just sh- shredding the division. The second fight, was the fight Moreno choked him out in, yes. right? The third yes. fight was the fight we just saw the other night. So we got to do a fourth one. There's three fights here where you can go, okay, these are all legitimate toss-up fights. Um, man, I'm telling you, Jess, this is a fucking barn burner. I want to see it again. I'm sorry, that's where I'm at. And there's nothing wrong with that. When they're good fights, you got quality uh and You're taking fight. our money? What the fuck? Yeah, you want my money? Put these kind of fights on all the time. I don't care. I don't care if Listen. they have to run it back for a sixth time. As long as the situation is right and the money is good for them and for the UFC, let's just keep doing it. Who cares? How many how many times did Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz fight? I feel like good that's like, five, six times. Twenty three. I think they're doing bare knuckle next week. <laughs> they're cashing they, they're they're, fighting yeah, under- they're their fighting next step is the, Twitter uh, FC. So I mean <laughs> they're fighting on the grass uh, patent. They're fighting on my <laughs> undercard. So they're fight they're they the YMCA that's open in two weeks. And that dude uh came back to Twitter and he's decided to put this card together and they're doing Twitter FC. 
I like the bare knuckle joke better. Who was the chick that fights for bare knuckle again? Who's the hot chick? What's her name again? Paige Van Sant. Listen, uh, Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz, 17, bare knuckle, five one-minute rounds. I mean, come on. It just makes sense. All right, Jess. We've spent a lot of time talking Francis Naganu. Cyril Gan. I've said Gagne for I don't know how long. And then I listened to this say Gan for an entire pay-per-view. So I should probably say Gan. I disrespect this man's last name. Jess, this was a fucking interesting fight, man. If you would have told me uh, last weekend before we taped the show, hey, Naganu's going to win this fight wrestling and the Packers are going to lose uh, on special teams place. I probably would have said you're full of shit. And here we are. Nagano uh, <laughs> wins. He did though. He, he uh, chaos in combat sports strikes again. And uh, I think he's going to leave the territory with the strap Jess to use our pro wrestling reference tonight. It took us about 30 minutes, but we've made it. Um, give me some thoughts on this fight. No, uh, you hit it on the head. I, I mean, we, we talked about this pretty extensively uh, over the last couple of weeks even, especially last week's show where we actually made our picks and described how we thought things were going to go. Uh, you said that it was a possible pick and fight. You were taking Nagano. I said I think the new up-and-comer is just hungrier. He's the, he's the young wolf in the, in, the, in, the, in the wolf's den. He's ready to take over the pack. Uh, none of that stuff really happened. Nagano mm-hmm. came out. Um, there was not – that many strikes thrown, not many strikes landed. There was a whole lot of takedowns in uh, Serial Gone, which, by the way, I learned his name off of a meme explaining how mad somebody was when they woke up and the Serial was gone. <laughs> That's how I learned his name. Um, so was, ser- was, serial co- was Serial like slang for his money and he bet on Serial Gone? So like, no, it, it literally was somebody in a – it was Serial Gone at a bowl, uh, at a table with a bowl, an uh, empty, empty bowl. Empty loop. He wanted Serial, but it was gone. He gone. So congr- thank you very much to uh, Twitter uh, for all the great memes that you put out. They actually can be educational. Um, yes. This fight was nothing that I expected, probably nothing that anybody else expected. And the one thing that I want to hit on more than anything is how pissed off is Dana White? Chaos in combat sports. Like, where we're at. Dana He's... White did not oh, we can go there. Think that this was going to be a wrestling match between two yeah. gargantuans of the sport, both coming into the fight holding gold straps. Dana White did not see this happening. And and to me, I feel like possibly maybe there's a little bit of slap in the face to to Dana from Francis saying, hey, you know what? You want me to go out here and knock people's jaws off their face. But you know what? I'm going to out-wrestle this dude because that's what I can do. I'm going to grapple fuck him. Thanks for your 600 Gs. Jake Paul made that in uh, 13 minutes. Mm. And so now he's, you know, I'm getting offers from all these other people. So you need to pay me something or I'm, I'm, I'm gone. Thanks for that. Thanks for the 600 G's. That's the same thing. Amanda Serrano made co-main eventing a Jake Paul card. (laughs) I just, she's about a hundred pounds less than me. Absolutely. 
And uh, you know what? To, to, to normal guys <laughs> like Jay and I, 600 G's, I would do a lot oh, of dirty please. things. 600,000. Where would I? Tell you right now. I mean, I mean, uh, underhanded, dirty shit. I've done a lot. I've done a lot of shadier shit for a lot less. Let me tell Show you this. Show me that passion. You trying to arrest? Not trying to fucking. Not trying to. Not trying to expose myself here. Jess, let me say this. Let me say this. Fight wise. Yes. You're right. This is the fight that Dana White did not want. In a perfect yep. world. Serial Gan comes out, smokes Naganu, and now Naganu's old news trending down, and now Gan's trending up. He's a new face. He's the guy they put on billboards. He's the guy wearing The Rock's new shoe and, and advertising it on, on all the platforms. That's not what happened. What happened was Naganu, we're hearing now, had a blown out knee or a torn ACL, torn MCL, and said, fuck it, I know they're not moving this fight. No reason for me to even ask. I'm going to fight with a fucked up knee. Gun is a great um, technical counter striker. If you watched it, if you remember that Black Beast fight, he was able to just use um, technical striking and, and the counter strikes that really fucked uh, Black Beast up. Well, Naganu never put himself in positions and threw dumb punches or dumb strikes to where Gun to capitalize on that. And it just basically became kind of a a pawing chess match. It kind of felt like a glorified sparring match for the first two rounds. Gone won those rounds, but it wasn't, they, they weren't convincing. Oh shit. He took it to the champion rounds as much as they were. Well, I got to give them to somebody. I think gone did a little bit more. Yeah. And then in that third, fourth and fifth round, Nagano just became, I don't know, fucking black Randy Couture and decided <laughs> to just, uh, you know, and this is what happens when you train with dudes and kind of know a little bit about their background and kind of know their deficiencies, right? He probably knows, man, Gon's grappling isn't as good as mine, and I've been working with these different dudes as opposed to Gon. I know who he's working with because I worked with those dudes a year ago. Um, and Nagano was able to take advantage of it. When he was getting these takedowns, it, it wasn't like he was doing incredible shit with them. He was just doing enough to steal the rounds where you go, oh, there's a Nagano round. There's a moment in this fight, Jess, where they're scrambling. Nagano ends up on his back. And I, I retweeted this, and I think I tagged the show. He uses like a, a leg trip and a reversal to get out of this bad position and to get top position on Gone. That's a next level grappling move. That's something that you just don't learn overnight. That's something that he's drilled hella times where he knew that it would work and he tried it and it worked. And for him to be able to do that that late in the championship rounds with a fucked up knee, that's impressive to me. Um, salute to Nagano for doing it. Salute to Nagano for going, hey, I know what to do to, to steal this fight. I'm going to do it. And he did so. Like you said, Jess, uh, Dana comes off incredibly petty here. He comes off incredibly unprofessional. And for the dude that is supposed to be the face of your franchise, your Roger Goodell, your uh, Adam Silver, if you will, you, this looks piss poor. You put the belt on guys for as long as I can remember them putting belts on guys. And this is the one guy you don't put the belt on. Yeah. You've showed up at these press conferences and talked shit for several years about what's happened during the fights. You've also used these press conferences as a platform to start either promoting your next event, promoting the winners, and also shitting on the losers on the way out, right? This is his platform where he's done it. 
for whatever reason he chooses not to use it that night. We all know the reason because he's going to get every what happens next Dana question. And he knows how to fucking answer these questions. He's a professional. He can drill vanilla. Yeah, man, we'll see what happens when we go to the negotiation table. Ha ha ha. Next question. He could drill that till he's blue in the face for whatever reason. He didn't have the balls to do it. I don't know why. Yeah, it was a re- really strange, really strange post uh, post fight conference. Uh, Dana, I think, I honest to God, I just think that Dana was was visibly and physically shook from watching what he just saw happen. Um, and ex- when he expected, and the world expected, to be honest, to uh, a firefight, explosions, bombs, two big giant hosses throw in heavy leather usually when that happens one of those two big hosses is going down and and mm-hmm. jay you, you've mentioned it before and you've hit it on the head before when you got two of those these big dudes strong these two are athletes these two are professionals they're not just your you know your your sloppy you know sort of overweight heavyweight who comes in with some heavy hands these two are huge professional technical strikers that can lay the leather down. And when you end up with a five round decision where three of those, of those rounds are basically Naganu stealing mm-hmm. the rounds, you invested money into this fight. You invested money into this card, regardless of however much you promoted, you still put money into this to get people to pay $90 to watch this card. <laughs> and, now you've got the world at you. Well, what's going to happen with Francis? What's going to happen with Gone? What's going to happen? You know, are we going to have another fight? How's how's Naganu's contract? Are we going to get, you know, is he going to get an extension? That's the question moving forward that he wants to avoid. It's a question yeah. everybody wants to ask. And, and, and if he doesn't answer it the appropriate way, they're going to keep asking him that question because that's what those MMA reporters do. The ones that aren't going to continuously throw Dana softballs are going to find a way to politely ask him, what are we doing with Naganu next? And again, Jess, the guy's been doing PR for so long. He hand, he cleans the messes. When there's a nightmare mess, when Quentin Rampage Jackson drinks 10 fucking monster energy drinks and <laughs> hits somebody in a car, they send Dana out there, right? Yes, when, when Conor McGregor throws a fucking chair through a bus and he does a bunch of cocaine-fueled debauchery, they send fucking Dana out there with the mop to clean those messes, right? This is what Dana does. This is why he's paid handsomely. Dog, go out there and clean that mess with a vanilla answer like, hey, you know what, man? I don't know. I'd love to have him back, and we're going to negotiate here as soon as we get done with this, man. It's a real easy answer. You spin it however you want, four or five different ways, that, and you keep it moving. At some point, these guys are at, at this press conference are going to realize, oh, Dana's not giving us anything. Let's ask him something else. The problem with this fight and how it ended is this for me. Uh, it, it didn't end spectacularly. It didn't end with uh, a finish. And so now your next step in the, the natural thinking order process of how the fight game goes is, well, these two have to fight again because there wasn't there. We had a winner, yeah. but it wasn't. If you want to say there wasn't a definitive wasn't winner, definitive. Jess, I understand. I get that, but I mean, there there kind of was a definitive winner. I, I'm 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 not saying if they fight ten times, this happens ten times. I'm just 
right now the question's been answered. Uh, Surreal has to go back to the drawing board here, figure out some shit, get better in his grappling game. Uh, now there's not a ton of heavyweights out there, right? That's is the he, big, in, is he gonna be the biggest? Yes, I'll tell you it, right it's now. It's a very thin do. division. You know what they're gonna do? They're gonna wait 90 days, and they're not gonna get anything done with Naganu, and they're gonna make another. They're gonna get that intern belt out. They're gonna shine it up, and they're gonna go Gagne versus Stipe, Gagne versus Curtis Blaines, uh, Gagne versus Volkov. Something like that. That's gonna be one of these fights. That's going to be for the interim title. And that's going to be basically the heavyweight champion moving forward. Now, realistically, right? Realistically, Nagano's probably not coming back. And I'd be absolutely fucking floored if Nagano in the UFC again. Um, I, I've been watching these interviews that he's put out here since the fight today. Uh, I've been listening to some things, I've been hearing some things. And it sounds like they are so far apart in regards to what he's asking for versus what they're willing to pay him. And he's in that fucked up contractual loophole here to where he's probably not going to fight for another year. We talked about it last week, Jess. All he wants to do is box. He's a big enough superstar to where they should be able to cut a deal here where they go, that's cool. You want to box? We're going to take 10 or 15 or 20% of your overall purse. We're going to stick the UFC logo on every single thing that goes on in this event. Go ahead and box, man. Good luck, all right? And if he gets knocked out, he gets knocked out, whatever. For whatever fucking reasoning, they just don't want to do that. The reason that I think that is, Jess, is because Dana White and whoever controls this, whoever's above him, whoever cuts his check, realizes we're not going to have another Connor situation where your main breadwinner, your main source of pay is us. Once you box and you make two, three, four million dollars boxing one fight, well, you don't have to fight for the UFC for another six months or 12 months because you've already made five or 10 times what we're going to pay you. If he made 600,000 for this fight and they want to pay him $3 million to box, I mean, that's fucking five times what he made. Jess, the guy said he turned down $7 million worth of shit here today. He said this. I've turned down $7 million worth of offers, whether it's fights, whether it's promotions, whether it's both. He's turning down more money. He's hustling backwards is what we say here on the West Coast, Jess. So at this point, you either let him box, right? Or you just say, fuck it. You're contractually, contractually fucked. We've done this with BJ. We've done this with Randy Couture. We've done this with everybody, man. Go ahead and sit out 365 days. We'll take that inter at interim title. We'll shine it up. We'll put it on the next heavyweight. We'll keep it moving here. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, th this is one of those sad situations that we've come to uh, in regards to, I always say Dana White, but it's not necessarily Dana, right? He's not, he's not the puppeteer. There's, there's the guys cutting the checks. Those are the, those are the masterminds. The big boys. The mouth. Mickey Mouse. It's Mickey Mouse, basically. Yeah, Mickey Mouse is Dana White's boss. And just imagine Dana White has to go to Mickey Mouse and say, hey, Mickey Mouse, I need a little bit more money here. I know you have all the money. I know you control all the worlds, but I just need a little bit more money. Mickey Mouse is going to tell him, hey, guess what? You already signed a deal. Go fuck yourself and go home, Dana. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and Dana's stuck in, he, you know, I don't often 
you won't often catch me defending Dana White. But in spots like this, it is very difficult for a guy who is supposed to be promoter slash fire putter outer slash, you know, guy who runs down to the store and buys, uh, you know, Francis's favorite strawberry strawberry milk. He, he, really, he, really, he like, really wears he, five hats. And it's difficult to have to come to the media and explain yourself about these contract situations when you know, and you know that Dana knows that they are so far off. And I've heard interviews and stuff as well. And the scariest thing is this. I heard Francis, he quote-unquote said, hey, if this is my last fight in the UFC, I've had a really good run. Yep. That didn't sound like a man who was looking forward to jumping back into the, the heavyweight no. mix. He's talking past tense, Doug. He's, fight, he's talking past tense. He's talking about moving forward. <laughs> and let's get the reason uh... we talked about that last week about, you know, Nagano's gone Hollywood. He's doing all the yeah. crypto stuff now. He's got all these uh, he's got all these things. And now you're talking about a guy who is publicly making himself larger than the UFC and people are looking at him going, "Damn, we can do something with him. He can be a next action hero star. Yeah. He can be on the next Marvel movie. He can go and do commercials for us, sell cars for us. He can do whatever he wants. You've got boxing promoters banging down this man's door right Salivating. now. Salivating. Just Salivating going, "You mean Dana White couldn't figure out how to make money off this guy? Watch this." Francis Naganu is a freak of nature athlete who has uh, maybe not elite striking skills, but the power is elite of the elite. And this man, if he can put glo- if he can put gloves to your chin, you are probably not waking up for a couple minutes. You can make money off Francis Naganu in a hundred different ways. And the fact that Dana and the UFC could not figure him out how to use Francis Naganu properly is going to come back to bite them probably worse than the whole Conor McGregor fiascos. I, I, love, uh, I love Dana White coming out today and saying, uh, hey, you know, Conor might be back this summer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, fuck Naganu. Naganu's talking past tense, and Dana White's like, hey, uh, it's just Conor. Connor out there. We just please, please. Can Connor. you imagine the phone call between Dana and Connor? Dana's like, it is like Connor. Look, I know that we've had our issues in the past, but you know what? I I don't care. You need me, and I, I need you. Go on a cocaine binge. You need me, and I need you. We you need jump each other in here. here. You you come in here with needles sticking out of your ass, and you putting on thirty pounds of muscle. I look can... in the other way. Look in the other way. You need us. We need you. Come on, good buddy. Let's see what we can make. Let's get, we got some cash. Oh, man. that Jess, I, I want to make sure that our listeners are firm and understand this, that I will never defend Dana, and we will never defend fighters when it comes to profiting off themselves, off of maximizing their own personal value. But the reality is when the UFC signed this deal, with ESPN, with Mickey Mouse, with ABC, they put themselves in a position to where it doesn't matter if a fighter sells 150,000 pay-per-views or 50,000 pay-per-views. He's going to make the same amount of money unless he's already negotiated that piece. They're not handing those pieces of pie out anymore. There is no more pieces of the pie. Mickey needs more pie. So with that said... Naganu is fooked, and this is why he's got to look other ways because Dana can't go to Mickey and say, 
I need more money to pay Naganu. This guy is the future of our sport here. This guy, we should be paying this guy a little bit more, Mickey. We got to find a way. We've got to shave some money off here. Some way to keep this fucking guy around. And Mickey says, nah, actually, Dana, we'll just create another star because that's what we do. We're the brand and we create the stars, right? It's the WWE Vince McMahon mindset, the thought process of no we're the end-all be-all. We're the UFC championship. We're the ultimate fighting championship. We create the stars. The stars don't create us. When there are few stars that actually, you know, that 5% we always talk about here, right, Jess? The Conor yeah. McGregor, the Ronda Rousey, the Naganu. And you're about to lose Naganu here. He's about to fuck around and walk away. And I know it ain't pesos, right? I know it ain't a few dollars that were, uh, that were apart here. But Dana's done an incredible job of negotiating all these years. And it just feels like at this point, he's either going, man, my hands are tied behind my back and I can't do anything. Or he just doesn't give a fuck. And when he doesn't show up at press conferences and when he isn't putting a bell on, on a dude after he wins a title, kind of looks like he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> By the way, fantastic reasons and points behind that. Uh, when, when Dana White uh, had the opportunity and had the pull because the UFC was owned by a certain entity, he, he had enough pull to be able to negotiate different types of prices and, and be able to get some fighters more money. We've seen fighters going into $2 million. We've seen that happen. But when we you cash your soul for money, this is what happens. Now, Dana and the UFC will continuously lose their stars because once you hit star level, in the UFC or any mixed martial arts organization. I'm just going to use that because your lifespan in that sport is short. If you become a star and people recognize you as a star and your own company calls you a star, you best damn bet they are going to want to be paid like stars. And when they're not, they will take the Rousey exit. They will take the Connor exit. And soon, shortly here, they will be taking the Naganu exit as well. You're going to lose a Naganu. You're going to lose a Usman. You're going to lose these guys, man. Bottom yeah. line. Jess, let's talk football. I want to start cool. with Bengals, Tennessee. Let's go. Who let's, go let's go. Yeah. Let's go, game for, let's go game for game here, and we'll, and we'll try and uh, soften the blow here with the last game, Buffalo, Kansas City. We both picked Tennessee. I'm holding back tears. So well, I know, but we're gonna Please. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna soften the flow here by talking football, trying to get your mind out of it, and then we'll come right back and just fucking yank them emotions right back in out of you. There we go. Um Bengals, Tennessee, who day? We picked Tennessee. We were wrong. Everybody's pointing at Tannehill and going Tannehill, 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 right? Always easy to pick on the quarterback when they lose a game. And it's easy to look at those three turnovers and go, okay, well, well these are the reasons. Uh, first turnover, completely his fault. Second turnover, I mean, just an incredible defensive play by the back on a design play, Jess. On those design plays, when that snap goes, you got a millisecond. You got a heartbeat to make a decision. And they're always going to throw that fucking ball. That defender just made an outstanding play. Third ball third interception and i've been going back and forth with my wife over this because i felt like the the receiver just didn't make the play she feels like the defender made the play um i'll let you I, i'd like to get your take on that um but cincinnati advances joe burrow smoking a cigar smoking that fucking tennessee pack looking like <laughs> my boy cody rhodes with a fat fucking stogie winner uh jess give me some thoughts on this game 
the Tiger King, man. The Tiger yes. King came in. Remember, he's he's only what a year and a half removed from from that terrible blown out knee, blown out knee, he and was that, blowed up. And, and and not just that, but during his rehab and coming back and playing again, he still had to manage getting sacked like 35, 40 times last yeah, year. Yeah, line didn't get because better. His offensive line was terrible. It didn't One get better. Thing, one thing they hit was to make sure that they drafted some offensive linemen, some big hosses to get up there and protect their franchise quarterback. And the biggest thing and the main reason that Joe Burrow is able to do the things that he has been able to do is they drafted his LSU buddy, Jamar Chase. Yeah. Jamar Chase is offensive rookie of the year. And I've been blowing give, this guy all give, year, Jess. Give that man that trophy right now because there's no other offensive player that is a rookie this year that is deserving or close to. Jamar Chase has done things that no other rookie wide receiver has done in NFL history. He has broken records, and he's doing it all alongside his good buddy, Joe Burrow, the Tiger King, and the Cincinnati Hootay Bengals. They went into Tennessee, and here's the thing, man. When they got there, whether it's the swag that Burrow has or that young head coach and the balls that he shows week in, week out, making plays, calling plays, fourth and ones, let's go for that shit. They weren't afraid of the Tennessee Titans. They didn't show an ounce of fear walking into that stadium. They didn't show an ounce of fear during any play that was happening. And the Tennessee Titans struggled to get the run game going, minus a couple of long busted runs by Dante Foreman, but nothing real spectacular from the from King Henry, who is. And we talked about it last week, also, man. We talked about Henry coming back after like what a six week layoff. Rust was on those wheels, and you could see yeah, it. Yeah, man, twenty carries, sixty two yards. He ran into the line a lot. That is not something that we're we're accustomed to seeing from from uh, Derrick Henry. We're used to seeing him break people down, throw people fifteen yards across the field, bust runs, and put that speed on those big giant hoss legs. But not this last week. Tannehill made mistakes. The offensive line made mistakes. Wide receivers didn't run routes properly. And the other big thing is that the Bengals defense is playing super stoked football. Yes. Flying all over the field. Jess, we were on this Bengals defense. Remember, Jess, we were on this Bengals defense like week five or six. We were like, this Bengals defense is good. And then they just kind of got – they had a weird part of the season where they just kind of dropped off a little bit. They were getting scored on. And it just happens in the NFL. Every team gets fucking scored on. Every team has that game where they end up giving up 30. Every fucking team. It just happens. It's one of those – it's the league now where it it happens. So – uh, credit to the Bengals defense, which I feel like isn't giving a lot of talk here and- <laughs> because they got those three turnovers. Of course, we're not going to skip over Burrow getting sacked nine times. And it was said by all those QBs <laughs> on television, all those talking heads, right? Some of those sacks were on him, right? Some of those sacks. He's holding on to the ball too fucking long. He's ha- he's playing fucking happy feet, which is going to happen, right? He's still a really young QB. But Jess... His upside, and this this wasn't a mix-in game, right? He was pretty mid. No, You're right. It it's a Jamar Chase game. It's a Jamar Chase just makes fucking huge plays, and when he makes those huge plays, he's a difference maker. I've been saying it all year again here. Jamar Chase has replaced Deontay, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is my the elite receiver in the league. And, uh, I, I mean, Bengals are scary as fuck. I can't wait to see what they do against Kansas City. We'll talk about that game in a minute. 
I hate to do Tennessee lost this game as much as the Bengals won this game, but we're late in this game, Jess. It's a close game all the way down to the last few minutes here. This was a winning game for Tennessee at home, and they just couldn't get it done. No, I mean, it win, okay, so win, and we'll definitely talk about this probably in each of these four games that we're about to talk about. Uh, but um, when you get down to the end and it's a close game, athletes will come into play. Athletes will make plays, but the coaching is going to mm-hmm. be the main source yeah. of who wins and loses. That's how All I right. feel about football. No, you're right. Late games. Late it's games. playoff time. It's playoff, playoff time. You need that head coach to make that one play that changes the outcome of everything for you. And Mike Vrabel was not able to overcome the the last three quarters, three and a half quarters, and make those proper changes on the fly. Like we're actually used to seeing him do. He's gotten so much better at being that type of head coach. Yeah. It's actually very strange to not see him make these these changes in order to win this football game, which this, was a very winnable football game. This felt like the Tennessee playoff run where you go, they got the stud running backs, they're going to run the ball, they're going to work play action, their defense is going to make plays, and they're going to win a lot of games 17-13. They're, this is, these, this is tailor-built in the playoffs, and, you know, it's the old saying, right? Defense wins championships, running the ball effectively wins championships, not turning the ball over in this in the playoffs. That's that's the difference, man. And they just they couldn't get it done. They just fucking could not get it done. Bengals made a few more plays late, and credit to Burrow, man. He was the better quarterback when it mattered. When it mattered, Tannehill turned that ball over. Again, was it the wide receivers' fault? Was it defensive backs? Was it a combination of both? Uh, you know, that that's up to the eye to dictate. Um by and, and Burrow made the plays. And here Burrow we are, made- Bengals. And, and let's are, not and let's not forget the ice in the veins and the size of the sack mm-hmm. on this rookie kicker who uh, walked up to the ball and said, "This is game." But that's, that's talking a lot of shit. I like it. This is game. The uh, you get that you gotta get that out of your kickers, right? These kickers are really weird. They're either like insurance salesmen or they're just <laughs> swag kicker, right? They're Legatron. <laughs> they just they've got like mullets and shit. <laughs> they're taking cbd um all right jess let, let's bounce over to the second game let's do it second game of the night niners backers what such a, game. a good game such a good game it bled into the ufc and made me miss uh the three first fights <laughs> um jess it's, it's gonna be an off season of people fucking talking about aaron Rodgers. and when this game ended i spent a lot of time going Man, the Packers have had 25 years worth of elite quarterbacks and two championships to show. Does that fall on the GM? Does that fall on upper management? I, I mean, I know there's so many different variables when you win a championship. But two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, they got two championships to show for it, Jess. I'm sure that if you go back in the heralds of time, we can find – Hall of Fame quarterbacks that have only won a Super Bowl or maybe even none. Like, Can you find me a franchise that had back-to-back for 25 years? that, my friend, is the point. There probably can't be found in those same halls of NFL lore, the same franchise, being able to bang out two 
Hall of Fame quarterbacks in a row and only pull from each one Super Bowl piece. Jess, the running joke in Miami for 25 years has been they're still looking for Marino's replacement. <laughs> and, and Green Bay had two of them. Two and that's them. very well true. But yeah, you're right. Green Bay had two in that whole time span. They've had two. So, Jess, I'm a firm believer in this. We can break this game down, but there's three plays, in my opinion, that were the difference here. The first one is the blocked field goal at the end of the first half, which turns this game around, right? You have the uh, Packers on... It would have been up 10-3. to You have the Packers on third and long in their own goal, at their own goal line, basically, within their own 10. Uh, Rodgers throws an absolute dime to the running back. The defensive backs just have a brain fart, get lost in the in the sauce, and this fucking running back goes for seventy yards. They have a chance to score a touchdown. Doesn't happen. They go to kick a field goal. Field goal is fucking blocked. Okay, this is enormous. They come out halftime. They get a punt return for fifty yards out of Debo, which turns into a field goal. So now we're ten six, I believe. Was that what it was? Ten or ten three? Was it seven three? I can't. It was, it was seven six at this point in time, I believe. Seven okay. six. And then you get just a lot of like weird mulling field control type football, where Rogers is making plays but not making like the play, right? Not the Rogers throws that we've just been seeing all year long, where you go like, "Wow, that that guy's good." Um, credit to the Niners defense for that front four just being an absolute fucking dog. And I've been talking about Bosa for how many fucking years on this show now? Bosa's been a favorite. I've been saying for years now, there are so many times that people don't realize that Bosa might be the best player on the field on any given snap. And he was given that line, the business. Um, And then we get to the, the blocked punt. Yeah, you know the the Niners go for it here on fourth and and reachable to try and tie the game. There was I think about four or five minutes left, maybe maybe six, and uh, I said that's the right play. Even if the Niners don't get the ball back, even if they don't get the first down, I'm I'd be good with them going for it on fourth here and not getting it because this is for the season, right? They get the blocked punt, which in my opinion was the third biggest play of the game. Huge. The, I mean, that's it. They, that was, they that get was... the block punt. They walk into the end zone. Now we got a tie game. And now that fucking stadium falls flat, dead quiet. And now Aaron Rodgers' butthole puckers up like you would not fucking believe. Puckers up like someone was trying to stick an immunization in him. <laughs> um, so I, I, uh, that, that to me was the difference. He comes out. I think he went three and out. Uh, now, in going three and out, he throws a bomb here to Devontae, right, on the third and, and, and long or third and manageable. And uh, I'm assuming his thought process was, it's third, I'm going to go for it here. And if, if Devontae doesn't get it, at least I can go out saying, well, I took my shot with my best receiver at the end of the game and it didn't fucking happen. Um, Niners get the ball back. They, kick a, they, they, they hold on to the ball for just long enough to get that fucking absolute heartbreaking field goal for the Green Bay Packers and everybody in that stadium. And Rodgers goes home at the hands of the 49ers in the playoffs again. 0-4 versus the 49ers lifetime. 
in the playoffs. Jess, give me some thoughts on this game. If we haven't covered it all, just give me some thoughts on this game, please. Here's some thoughts. First of all, 49ers defensive line, that front four, again, you already spoke on it, but I cannot give them enough credit. Eric Armstead, Bosa coming off the edge. You got some big beasts up there, and those guys were hungry, and they were that that Green Bay offensive line. They ate up. They ate up Dallas's offensive line on the road. Now they've eaten up Green Bay Packers. And uh, and uh, we can't. One thing I have to throw out there is Green Bay was touting all week, like, "Hey, all of our guys are healthy. We got a completely healthy team for this game." You know, acting like, you know, there's no worries in the world. We got our boys back. Uh, I think MVS was just about the only receiver that didn't play in this game. Uh, Equinox- I think right I think right before the snap, they lost somebody. I, I don't know if it was their tight end or they right before snap, they they called somebody out. But they, they were pretty healthy, Jess. They got no fucking excuses here. Aaron Rodgers, when I I watched a bunch of uh, a bunch of this game at work, I was watching it in the in our break room and I was watching Rodgers work the field. If it was a short pass, it was there. If it was a medium-sized pass, it was there. Go deep, it was there. If it was a play action, it was there. Nothing Rodgers did failed until they got into the red zone area, and then that's when things got real super murky. And um, I just uh, wasn't really sure uh, what happened. Aaron Rodgers is usually so efficient especially in the red zone and just it, things just weren't happening. And Niners the, defense is good. And then the one they make th- tackles, they ta- when when Rodgers is hitting checkdowns, those guys aren't breaking tackles. They he just fucking the Niners defense is Fred, good. Fred Fred Warner also He's a motherfucker. Warner, Warner does not I know he gets a lot of respect, but there's guys like Darius Leonard and and uh, Khalil Mack and some of these other linebackers, they get a lot of respect. Fred Warner is he's a dog. He is a dog. And he was banged up. And, and he was banged up. This man, he he was sideline to sideline all night long making plays. He's been doing that all year long. And yeah, a little banged up. And you're talking about negative like six degree weather or something. There's snow coming down. All those injuries are now quadrupled. You feel them that much more. But Warner battled through everything and made some huge tackles in that game. Mad props to him, that that entire San Francisco defense. Kyle Shanahan dialed up some crazy weird-ass shit. That's what he does, was man. just enough to work. Uh, I believe Jimmy G's stat line was like 106 with Incredibly a Incredibly mid. Below mid. It was below mid. And at the same time, he was able to get the job done in a cold-ass Negative degree Lambeau Field, which almost seems impossible for a for a team from the West Coast, which is another thing we talked about last week. West Coast having to come all the way out to Wisconsin and play in the cold. Well, you know what? That shit did not bother the 49ers. They went in there. They played hard nose. Uh, Elijah Mitchell was running the ball well. Garoppolo did just enough to get the ball moving. And let some of his playmakers like Debo Samuels, who, by the way, Debo Samuels is a he's a oh my god, yeah. He's I'm a, gonna spend a minute talking about Debo. Uh, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you go and just act <laughs> poetically about Debo. So, um, but but the Green Bay Packers have a lot of work to do in this offseason as far as trying to patch up that offensive line, uh, put together a, at least a wide receiver combo with Devontae. And that only stems on if they can get a deal done with Rodgers, which, in my opinion, they do. Devontae, oh, wow. Devontae really? Adams and Aaron Rodgers will be a Green Bay Packer next year. Oh, I love that hot take. You went spicy. Um, 
Fun guy after the game said, I don't want to be part of a rebuild. And then basically alluded to this team has to rebuild. So, so I'm not on that as much as you are. And I was going to ask that, but but no reason to now. I, I have no clue. I honestly, I don't, I could not give a definitive answer. And if you put gun to my head, I'd probably say he's out. I say he forces his way out this time. Uh, but I said that last year and I was wrong. And it ended up working out okay for him. Let me ask you this, Jess. Let me, who's the coach in the league? that's going to have the balls to have a guy like Debo Samuels, who is basically a wide receiver, but also can run the ball, can do kickoffs, a Percy Harvin, but stronger and with more grit and determination and just fucking moxie. And uh, who's the coach that's brave enough to go, yeah, you know what? I'm going to actually at some point focus half of my offense around you, and I'm going to have you just running around the field pre-snap. I'm going to try and find those bad matchups, and I'm going to have you running wildcat and just running all types of weird shit and just throwing – just fucking with the defense every time you're on the field because they have to respect you. Um, Who's the other guy in the league now that uh, you don't want to tackle? Who's left in the who's left on these four teams that you don't want to tackle? I tell you what, I don't want to tackle Debo. Motherfucker's hard, motherfucker's tough. He's looking to, to create uh contact. He's looking to put a fucking shoulder into you. He's looking to bowl your ass over. He wants to show you that he's stronger than you. Um, who's left? Who's left? I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Maybe there is somebody, but I can't think of them. I can't um, think of anybody right De- now. Debo's a motherfucker. I mean, maybe we'll figure it out when we do the final four here. But um, I don't know what they do with the Packers. I don't or what they do with uh, Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what they do with Devontae. But the Packers got a lot of explaining to do, and I wish them the best of luck here. They got they, it's they're really gonna fuck around and find out here. They drafted Jordan Love. Now they gonna fuck around and find out. I, I, I was talking to my friend before we move on to the next game. I was talking to my friend at work. He's a huge Green Bay Packers fan, lifelong Packers fan. He even went and did the whole – he bought the the shareholders. Oh, nice. So he, he's got like this little certificate, and he feels all like he's part of the team now. It's great. <laughs> I asked him, I said, you know, what, what's what's the one thing that we that, – that has kind of kick-started this whole Aaron Rodgers dilemma? And his first words out of his mouth was, we'll probably draft in Jordan Love. I said, this is what the Packers do to start the healing process. In the offseason, you trade Jordan Love for like a third-round pick. You try to get something back. For Anything. Him. Fourth round, third round. Jordan Love's got you, – you sell him on his upside potential. You get rid of Jordan Love at any and all costs for something back. And then you go to Aaron and be like, hey, Aaron. Hey, Aaron, look, man, we traded him. We traded him. See, we love you. Hey, you know what? We're going to go pick up Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley is going to be your backup, right? He's no threat to you, right? <laughs> yeah, nobody. Barkley's no threat to you. Nobody. He's going to be your backup, pal. Come on. That's step one. Step two is going to <clears throat> either a Tennessee and saying, hey, we want to make a deal for Julio Jones. Well, I think step two is giving Devontae all the money and saying, look, you you got your guy. Now, so, Devontae. That's a step I, two. You have you Devontae, have to I believe that's, this is where it's tricky with Devontae Adams. He has gone public and said many times this year, Aaron's my guy. I'm going to go. I'm going to roll with him wherever he rolls. Yeah, it's he smart. goes to Chicago. I'm going to Chicago. He goes. I mean, he's, he going. hasn't said that, but he's alluded to it. Uh, it's 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 on the tip of his tongue. And maybe- yeah, he's, he's 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 saying it without saying it. He's basically said, if, if Aaron isn't here, I'm not here. Wherever Aaron your, goes, I your like first step has got to be make Aaron Rodgers happy somehow. And that starts with getting rid of Jordan Love. And that's an easy situation because. 
from what we've seen of Jordan Love, he's nothing. Yeah, it's an easy fix. He's Get rid fucking, of him. Yeah, no, that's bring easy... in Bring in a vet wide receiver that still got some juice left. Maybe even bring in a Jarvis Landry from Cleveland. I know that Jarvis oh, wow. is probably going to be coming no, I love that. Jarvis is even. He's not sticking around Cleveland. Bring in a Jarvis Landry. Have a Devontae Adams. You make Aaron happy. The pieces will fall into place from there. Can I, throw I, another, can I throw a wild name at you? Please do. What about Beckham? Maybe a Beckham. He's, he's ignited his name back in, in the NFL. Everybody's talking about OBJ. He's he got Adams on one side. He got Beckham's on the other. That's not bad. Imagine well, Aaron Rodgers throwing to Devontae Adams on one side, Odell Beckham Jr. on the other side. It's, 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 it's a match made in heaven. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you now, and I wasn't I wasn't ready for this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you here. So if you're the front office here, you go, all right, listen. So we're trading Jordan Love, and we're gonna pick up some more offensive linemen, and we're gonna give Devontae all the money, and we're gonna bring in a Julio or a who do you want? Tell us who you want. You want Beckham? You want Julio? Who you want? We're gonna fucking go get him. Who's who? Here's a list of receivers here. You pick one or two of them. Uh, and, and tell us what you want. We'll fucking bring them in. Um, as and uh, here's more money because, of course, we have to give you more money. This is this is kind of what this is about, too, Aaron. Right? You you want more fucking money, so here's some more money too. Is this satisfactory to keep you here? Right? They're not firing their fucking GM. Um, no. They're not firing their coach. Aaron, at some point, has kind of made it sound like, "Hey, I'm good with these people. I'm not asking for them to be fired." So that's good news. Um, so this is, I believe, salvageable. I just don't think it happens. I just think that they, I think they fumble the bag. I think they fuck it up. And I think, and I think Rogers is looking at, man, I might have three or four years left here and I either want to go play somewhere nice or I want to go play somewhere where I can actually win a championship. I think that's where he's at. I don't, I don't think he wants to fucking be in Green Bay anymore. Well, I think he, I think he was having fun banging Olivia Munn and doing fucking Hollywood shit until he had to go back to his house in Wisconsin and then fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's, there's no, he's, he's like, man, where am I going to eat? In I'm going to the fucking subway in Green Bay because I'm they going have to nice, to the they got nine, egg house on the corner yeah. of Maine. Let's do this. It sucks. That's my point. Like, he's like, he wants to fucking be in Florida. <laughs> he wants to be in LA. He wants to fucking be in maybe Vegas. He wants to be somewhere where it's fucking nice outside and you can't blame him. You can't blame the guy. Um, I, I we we could sit here and keep fucking having fun with Rogers all day, and I I tell you what, people have been urinating on him, and I and we kind of did a little bit with the sure. they have a, you know what have they done in regards to championships in the last twenty or twenty five years, but Jess, if Aaron Rodgers leaves that team and wins a championship in let's say I don't fucking know Pittsburgh, that's a big fucking deal. That's a, that's 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 everyone turning the tables and going. So Green Bay, uh, so Rogers didn't fumble the bag. Green Bay fumbled the bag. Shout out Justin Von Doom, who said, "Could you imagine Aaron Rodgers on like the Steelers, where he's got Tomlin, a really disciplined disciplined coach, coach, and not a Mike McCarthy, who's a rah rah ha ha. I'm just happy to be here, aw shucks guy, and not a Lafleur, who's an you know who's a genius, who's he's an weird. analytic. He, he's an analytic." But but may but may not work, but may not just may not be fucking Rogers cup of tea as opposed to you see him glowing when he talks about a Tomlin. But then you put him with those receivers who have come in and out of Pittsburgh the last 12 years. Heinsberg, Plaxico Burris, uh fuck, who else is there? There's everybody. 
Antonio Abe, Brown. Antonio Brown. Now, now you got the likes of Deontay the, Johnson, who is very underrated. You got uh, Chase Claypool, who the is, guys they have now. I mean, he, the maybe, list goes on. Maybe and on. you bring in a Rogers. You keep Juju Smith, uh, Smith Schuster. Um, Rogers with a Juju. I mean, come on. They got. They would. He would have won. Plus, they just drafted that giant seven foot tall tight end last year. I'm sorry. No. I'm sorry, they're winning at least two championships in, in Pittsburgh with Rodgers. It's a different fucking story because it's a different, it's a different culture there. It is. It's completely different, and maybe that's my point here. With man, they had two fucking Hall of Fame quarterbacks and only got two championships out of them. At some point, do we stop looking at the quarterbacks and do we start looking at the franchise? The same way that I'm looking at Dallas and going. Man, we had Romo and got nothing out of these championships, and now we're getting Dak, and we lost a fucking another wild card weekend game. Um, at some point, you got to start looking up. I mean, it's easy to put the blame on the players because that's what we watch. Um, Jess, let's jump into this third game here. Um, I want to be honest with you here. I'm gonna keep it one one hundred. Uh, I napped during this Rams Tampa Bay game. <laughs> I slept probably the second and third quarter. I woke up in time for when it got real spicy. I woke up right like about five, six minutes left in the fourth quarter. This was a very unique game because I really don't trust the fucking Rams. And I'll get into that in a moment here. But I, this was a game where I've said it the last few weeks. Quarterbacks got to make big throws here to win some games. And Stafford made some big fucking throws here to cup with this minute or 40 seconds or whatever was left here uh, to steal this game on the road. Give me some thoughts on this game. Uh, first thoughts is I'm going to agree with you. I, I still don't trust the Rams. And, and, and at this point in time, it's I'm not laying all that pressure on, on Matthew Stafford. Because that defense, man, they make mistakes. But you cough. Okay. They had a, they make mistakes. They, they had a huge lead going into halftime. They get the ball yeah. back. They score again. They got a bigger lead. And then all of a sudden you get these four random fucking uh, turnovers, all that go, you know, Tampa Bay's way. Tampa Bay scores off, uh, I believe, all those turnovers. Yep. Except for one. And then uh, that ended up being a, a turnover right after. I was going to say, they the turn the ball over, then I think, and then I think the Rams gets, gave it right back. Stafford gets the ball, first snap, he's not looking, center snaps it over his head, Tampa Bay gets the ball back, and then they score on that turnover. And now all of a sudden we have a ball game. It was almost like the Rams wanted to lose that game more than they wanted they, to win that game. They started urinating on themselves. And that's what's scary because Tampa Bay is running on three wheels, man. They, they're not that that they're not that Mack truck that they were last year, especially mm-hmm. on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the, commentators, the commentators kept talking about it all game. And I know that a lot of this was excuses for Brady's performance up until halftime. But they kept bringing up, well, all he's got is Gronk. All he's got is Scotty. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. Mike Evans played. All he's got is Mike Evans. Like, what? what That's bullshit. He used to have Antonio Brown. You know, Mike Evans was targeted 16 times in this game. (laughs) 16 targets, one receiver, not named Cooper Cup. It is absolutely amazing to me that the Rams almost cost themselves this game. And they did it in a variety of ways. There was the special teams. Uh, a dude with a big leg goes up, takes that field goal kick. They talk about it all. The guy's got a big leg. He can hit yep. from anywhere. Boom, shanks it. Are you kidding me? Yeah. 
special teams, all the way to coaching on the sidelines, wanted to lose this game to Tom Brady. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. But this game should have easily been like 52 to 13. <laughs> I swear to God, I am not even exaggerating. <laughs> you, li- you listeners out there, you can no, right. all you want to. This game should have been 52 to 13. It should have been one of the biggest drubbings in playoff history against Tom Brady. Jess, I- the Buccaneers team was bad the entire game. Jess, but this is what the Rams the did. Rams were even the- worse in the second half. This is what the Rams did against the Niners the week before last, okay? So we've got tape on the night on the Rams giving up an enormous lead to the Niners in the second half, which ended up getting the Niners into the playoffs, and now they're one of the four teams left. We've got the blowout game against Arizona, where Arizona absolutely urinated all over themselves, and every time Kyler Murray started the ball, he was starting from his own five-yard line, uh, and now we have this game. So we have a bad game, a good game, a bad game, and they lost one of those games. I don't trust this fucking team, man. I know they spent a lot of money bringing defensive players in, and they got the names, and they got a great line, a defensive line. They just they make mistakes, and you're going to get beat by elite quarterbacks like Brady late. He's going to pick you apart. I know these defenses are tired. I know these. I know all, I know everybody's fucking tired right now, right? And uh, you know the fact that Brady threw the ball 54 times, that's a whole nother thing. But when you get to this last two, three minutes of the game here, all both of these defenses, they just kind of fucking fell apart. And, and it's funny because going into this game, I thought, you know, Tampa Bay's banged up on their line, on their defensive line, and at wide receiver. And it kind of reminds me of how banged up Kansas City was when they played Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. Um, and here we are, bang, Bucks just bang the fuck up, and they still almost find a way to win this game. But credit to Stafford. Let's give him his roses, right? This is why they brought him in. This is why they made the trade. We talked about it before the season started, Jess. We said the reason they brought Stafford in was to win these big playoff games that Goff can't fucking win, to make the plays that Goff can't make. And I'll tell you right now, that zero blitz that came, um, my man Stafford knew, you know what, man? Cup's going to fucking know right here. You go deep. That was a fucking play you drop on the field in your hand, right? That's one of those schoolyard football plays where you go, hey, they're going to blitz zero. If they're going to blitz zero, Cooper, you just fucking run deep up the middle, and I'm just going to throw it. And that's exactly what happened, and that's exactly how they won this fucking game. Yeah, um, Matt Stafford made all the passes he was supposed to make. Two huge throws late and uh, within that last minute or two. The, two the Odell, the Odell Beckham pass on the sideline was huge. It was an even better catch by OBJ. Actually, that was unreal. But I, but I want to talk. I want to focus on just that last minute, right? Yeah, where again, control Cooper Cup. I'm sorry, not Cooper Cup. Fucking uh, Jared Goff ain't making those fucking throws. No, uh, Matthew Stafford's control of the game at that point in time was evident. You could see that. It's something that we're, we uh, can't say necessarily when Jared Goff was coaching or play, uh, quarterbacking for this, this Rams team. Uh, the, the, when Goff was there, he was the, the quintessential game manager, and that was it. Stafford actually gets to throw the ball. He gets to make plays. He gets to write plays up in the huddle, and he makes plays work. He's got a fantastic arm. This is something that I've never, I've never got onto him about. He's got a fantastic arm. He's got a cannon. 
He's got a cannon. He's a little wild in the pocket, but his mechanics are there, and he can make every single professional throw on a football field. High, high, high IQ throw right there. He read the defense. He saw the blitz coming. It was, it was just a fucking smart play. And the other thing I'm going to mention, uh, again, with the Rams just pissing down the front of their pants for the entire second half. <laughs> just this. urinating all over themselves. I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now. You've got Tristan Wirth, who is Brady's favorite person in the world right now. A gigantic man, just left tackle, blocking the shit out of everybody. No one's touching Brady with this man in. He's out for the game. The backup comes in, rolls his ankle badly. He's literally hobbling on one leg after every single play. Every third play or so, he's being taken out and switched back in. If I'm Sean McVay, I'm grabbing Von Miller and saying, hey, Von, this is why I brought you here. Mm-hmm. I need you to get to the quarterback. Tom Brady's right now. old. He ain't moving away from you. If anything, he's just going to throw the ball away. See that guy right there? He's busted up and broke. Attack, attack, attack. I'm not moving Von Miller all across the field. I'm not moving him from right to left, left to right. I'm leaving him right the fuck there and saying, Von, blitz that motherfucker every single play. That's it. But I think that, Von Miller, I think, but I don't know. I, I don't know if they're doing snap count with Von Miller. I don't know if he again, he's just getting longer in the tooth. They so maybe they're using, Boyd, they're using one him. of those young bucks. They got they're, guys that can play that. And and again, the Rams defense has played near elite level most season long. And I gotta say, the best player on the field yesterday was Aaron Donald. And that's probably that's probably something that people are like, well, we already know this, man. Yeah, surprising nobody. But Aaron Donald, I I literally saw him take two full-grown 300-pound men and push them backwards. Make them a sandwich. He, he made a sandwich out of those two guys. He, he, was, he was licking his fingertips like after you eat a barbecue, and it's all <laughs> like <laughs> – He's like, thank you, sir. May I have another? So I, this, this is why I love the playoffs. This is why I love the playoffs because we're not doing red zone – give me crack football highlights for nine hours. When you're watching playoff games and you're watching interior guys like Bosa, like Armstead, like uh, the guy you just mentioned, whose name escapes me and I don't know why, because he's incredible. You're watching the elite and you're going, oh, wow, these guys are the game changers. Oh, wow, this is why this guy is always in the mix for defensive player of the year because he can do shit like that. He's an absolute game changer. Um, uh, I'm in agreement with you here. I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, talking this game here, Jess. Let's go, Bills Chiefs. Let's get in here. I'm, let me get out of your way, Jess. <clears throat> Speaking for the world, I think. I just want to yes. speak for the world. I do believe that this game, and Jay, you and I touched on it last week. I, After watching those other games, mm-hmm. Cincy win over Tennessee, eh, it was cool. It's a good, That's a good game. game. It was a good game. Niners beating uh, uh, Packers and Lambos. Fun. It's a great game. Love all the theatrics that were involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching all these other games that happened. This game, we said, at least I said, I can't remember if you were on board with me. I believe that you were. The winner of this game wins the Super Bowl. This was, to me, the Super Bowl. This, this, game, this game was the two best teams in the NFL at this point in time in the season. Like, nothing, nothing else, all, those, all the records, 
you know, the 11 5, the 12 and uh, the, the 11 6, 12 and 5, none of that matters now. We're in the playoffs. These were the two best teams in the playoffs up until this point in time. And these two teams played like juggernauts. The quarterbacks played like Goliaths. And I don't think that I've ever seen something like that in playoff football, at least in recent memory. I believe they said something like 25 points was scored in the last two minutes or in the last like minute and like 18 seconds or something. It's it's weird how it goes. This game's good. This game's good. This game's good. Oh, this game just went to another level. And we talked about like three, like it just kept going to another level though. In the last two minutes, really, it's like, where it's like, Oh wow. Uh, Wow. Mahomes is amazing. Wow. Uh, Josh Allen's even more amazing. Wow, Mahomes is like you're just doing that. Where you're just going, these are the best of the best. Like this is it. These are, this is you know what I'm saying. This is the this is, this is not Sam Darnold. These are the best of the best right here. That's right. This isn't this isn't Mac Jones. You know this isn't no 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 disrespect to any, any of these other quarterbacks. These two guys put on a show. Both these teams wanted this game a lot. You could tell Kansas City was hungry for uh, revenge of, of their own from earlier in the year when Buffalo beat them in Arrowhead. Buffalo still got revenge on their mind from losing in Arrowhead last year in the AFC Championship game. The only thing I can say that was disappointing about this game is that it was not the AFC Championship game because it was so damn deserving felt like it. AFC Championship game. Felt, it felt like a heavyweight football game. It reminded me of the game that the Bills played the year before last against uh, the Texans where you go – where after that game, I remember everybody going, wow, these two quarterbacks are the future of the league. And then one of them sexually assaulted uh, several women. And then and we haven't seen him since, really. But uh, Jess, you discussed Stefan Diggs. Uh, you know, you you wanted an incredible Twitter t- uh, tirade last night after the loss. You were pouring out all emotions, rightfully so. This is why we have social media, to be able to go on that platform and just say, my team sucks, and here's why. Um, are there any tweets you regret? I don't think so. I, I okay, think that good. even though I was in an emotional state, yes, uh, you were really mean to the defense. I, you were picking on some guys specifically. So, so here's here's my thing. I think you fired a few guys. I I definitely okay. So I can't fire them because I think they're on their way out the door anyway. But yeah. Brian Dable can go. Leslie oh, wow. Frazier. Leslie Frazier. No. I like I like both. Jess, I can I say the, this I know in the defense? Likes both of them, but but Dable served his purpose in bringing Josh Allen to where Josh Allen is now. Josh Allen no longer needs Brian Dable, oh, wow. and to make things better, is if Dable goes, we can in-house hire Ken Dorsey, who has basically been Josh Allen's mentor since high school, to fill the OC spot. And then there we go. Now we can continuation of that family feel good type. They've got some in-house. They'll be okay. In-house stuff. Leslie Frazier, an amazing human being. Such a great person. No, he is a great person. No, but you're going to shit on him. You're you're warming up because you're going to shit on him. I am. And, and, and here's the number one defense in the league. You can't do this. Number one defense in the league. But when you put the numbers and the stats together, those numbers are based off of the bad teams that we've been able to dominate, the, the second-string quarterbacks that we've had to play, the rookie quarterbacks that we've had to play. When you look at the elite teams that we've played, the defensive numbers go way down. They dip. And Leslie Frazier 
And Sean McDermott has to take some some credit with that loss as well, and I'm sure he does. No, he won't. But the thing is, one thing that started this all off, Buffalo scores, you kick the ball, you're up. There's like a minute something left. I can't remember what it was, like a minute 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, that was the, the, the 13 seconds. We'll start with the 13 seconds because that's the most important. 13 seconds left, you just scored. Josh Allen just went down the field. Like a hot knife through butter. He throws he throws a I he throws, fourth he throws, and long. Yes. Fourth, fourth and, long. and long. He picked another up the, dime. I mean, this guy was just passing out fucking dimes all night to Gabriel. And credit to Gabriel for bringing them all in. That Gabriel fuck guy Davis, caught everything. He Gabriel Davis just a couple weeks ago was taking some heavy heat for dropping a couple passes that were very catchable. I'm sure in the last two weeks, Gabriel Davis has not dropped one single pass. And and that uh, Jess, you were just that's just putting you it work. It. You nailed it when you said that Gabriel Davis has basically taken over as a second wide receiver. He and boy did he he took he took over that spot. You gotta give credit to Gabriel Davis because or it's t- some because this fucking Kansas City defense went, we're gonna shut Diggs down. We're fine with anybody else beating us. And Davis went, Okay, cool. I'm gonna beat you and just beat him over and over and over and over. And he made what two or three enormous fourth down catches. I think two of them were touchdowns. That's fucking enormous. Uh, were two of them touchdowns? Were, two of them were down? touchdowns. The other on two, fourth you, down. You're talking about a, Gabriel Davis is a second year guy. On fourth down, Jess. Do you understand the enormity of this? I mean, they, fuck, come on. The those, pressure. Are catch, those are catches that second year guys drop because of the enormity. And credit to fucking Josh Allen for putting them right in his hands. This guy was throwing fucking dimes. Jess, let me say this. And okay, the 14 seconds, you can't fire everybody and pick on guys when there's really only two or three quarterbacks in the league that can make those throws and you got one of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's only a, there's less than a handful of quarterbacks that can make that fucking throw at that moment with that amount of pressure, and you got one of them. And I know this because I saw him throw a bunch of touchdowns on fourth down. I was just talking about about ten seconds ago. So I, I I'm telling you, just to me, this isn't about fire sale, get rid of Leslie Frazier, cut defensive backs. This is Mahomes is just so fucking elite. And he just took advantage of a mismatch and a mistake that is made by almost every defender in the league because Mahomes is so fucking good. And also, these guys are exhausted, Jess. These guys are fucking exhausted because they've been running around for the defense had been on the field. I can't remember the number, but the defense had been on the field a lot because the scores by both teams were were coming quick. They were coming fast scores. You're asking these defenders to chase around Tyreek Hill around the field when Tyreek Hill wants to run from sideline to sideline on crossing patterns and get open. You're asking for these defensive backs who are tired as fuck to continue to chase big-ass, large-ass, fast-ass Travis Kelsey who is just uses his big body to get open. Like, I'm not like, yo, these defensive backs blew it. I'm not that I'm not gonna say that shit as much as I'm gonna say, man, Mahomes is just good. Like that, like we've been saying that fucking guy is good. 
and he's got a chance to be in his third Super Bowl in what four years? Four years. We're, we're getting a LeBron James shit now. We're going to another to other sports plateau type shit, right? We're going to the Tom Brady shit. That's that's elite company, man. That's that's you're not getting fucking beat by a mid quarterback. That's not Derek Carr. All due respect, we love him. That's not Baker Mayfield making those fucking throws. There's a reason that there are elite quarterbacks left. How many? How many? I mean, when we look at these teams left of the four teams, you could only say one of them is an elite, and he's already been to a fucking Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like the fuck guys already been to a Super Bowl. Uh, so I don't know, man. I I'm not gonna sit here and pick on this Bills defense. And I know last night you were just firing out tweets because you're passionate about your team, and you know we all are. But I. I would just pump the brakes on going. Let's just let's just fuck get rid of Leslie Frazier because he's a shitty coach. Because he isn't a shitty coach. He just got he just they just got caught. I, I definitely don't think that Leslie Frazier is a shitty coach. But here's the thing, man. And if you're the if you're the GM and you're watching down and you're like, hey, man, we are literally 13 seconds. I mean, I'm pretty sure that almost every single Buffalo Bill on the sideline down to the damn water boy was like, this is game over. Anybody, yes. anybody can blow 13 seconds. We don't need to do jack shit. It, this game is done. It's in the bag. We've we just, seen it too we, many times. We've, we've seen it too many back times. For like the third time this game to finally put Patrick Mahomes in his place. We're going to the AFC Championship game to play Cincinnati and Buffalo Ugh. for rights to go to the Super Bowl. Doesn't but here's the down. thing. When you're the GM and you're watching downstairs and you've seen your defensive coordinator – crumble under the pressure of elite offenses before and then you you the line okay so you got your dime package i don't think they ran a dime did they run a dime i don't think they ran a dime or was it it was was it the prevent prevent yeah prevent defense they ran it okay but in your prevent defense that first pass that ended up going to travis kelsey the first of the two big plays that happened there Travis Kelsey had no one lined up on him. You blitzed four guys. You took your linebacker that should have been hands-on. Shit, you know what I would have done if I was that linebacker? I would have took Kelsey by the face mask and ripped him. Yeah, the you tackle him. Got the flag. Yeah, you, tackle, you tackle him. You take the five-yard penalty. Take the five-yard off the clock. Take game's three over. seconds. Boom. Let's run this bitch. Yeah, no, no that's, that's, kind of, that's, that's honestly what you do. Best offensive players in the NFL. And he runs and gets like I, I believe it was somewhere dude. like twenty six yards. Dude. Second play was even worse. There's no one anywhere around the Kansas City receivers, <clears throat> and then it's just forty five yards in two plays. Ends the up being second play, yards the play. the the first play is like okay, you're playing prevent, and Mahomes just made a heady play because the middle of the field is wide ass open. Because defenders are trying to respect the sidelines, right? Because you're just trying to get a ball and get out of bounds. So Mahomes just made a handy play. It's the play Dak couldn't make, right? The 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 play, the Kelsey sneaky slant, or you don't want to call it a slant, but a little up and arrow out into yeah. the into the hash marks. So I sent you the tweet, and everyone that's watched it, if you want to go next level on it, so the defensive back is playing the outside. He's respecting the outside, meaning I'm going to give you this little bit of inside because I'm not going to let you get to the sideline and beat me and get out of bounds. I'm not doing that. 
Um, the second safety on top of them is supposed to be spying, meaning I'm not going to give you what's in front of you, right? So you basically are hoping you have a complete front. Mahomes looks that safety off when the snap comes. The second Mahomes looks that safety off, that safety turns his head. Mahomes snaps his head left, throws the ball to Kelsey. Kelsey's wide open because he's got one, the defensive back respecting the sideline and the safety looking on the other end. Kelsey takes that ball, eats up yards, does everything right, goes, slides down instead of trying to get extra yards, gets a ball to a referee, everything the Dallas Cowboys did not do um, to to get that ball down. Um, He saved him a few seconds, and that few seconds was the difference in kicking that field goal. I mean, they just did everything right, Jess. They did. Uh, Look, uh, Kansas City is – I and I tweeted this, and this was – Obviously, you could tell I was starting to come back to reality a little bit. I was starting to t- try to get things back working in, in, in good work order again. And I said, the Kansas City Chiefs have proven yet again they're the crop, the cream of the crop of the AFC, probably of the NFL. And Buffalo, although not that far behind them, is still behind them. And, and, and for me, it just – we spoke about it earlier today. We spoke about it last week. Uh, in close games, it comes down to what kind of coaching are you going to get in those very crucial minutes or seconds when the game is on the line. Whether you have the lead in seconds or left or you're trying to get the lead with seconds left, what kind of coaching are you going to get? And I got play too safe. I get it. you got to play safe. you got to try not let anything over the top. you got to try not let the, uh, let a receiver – or a tight end or a running back, get out of bounds, stop the clock. But Buffalo made crucial coaching mistakes. After each of the two catches, Buffalo called timeouts, giving Kansas City even that much more time to regroup and come back and set up a whole brand new play without using any more time or their own timeouts. Buffalo ran their timeouts out completely before the end of the game, basically saving Kansas City very, very uh, crucial seconds in the, in that last of the 13, 14 seconds that was left. The the coaching of the defensive line, sending four instead of three and having one guy put hands on Kelsey, at least a hand or two to get him off his route at least. Nothing's there. Kelsey gets free, breaks loose for that amazing run. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is elite of elite. He mm-hmm. is LeBron James era of, of football right now. He's in that. He's in that. We want to keep taking the crown off of him, Jess. We want to keep saying he's not the best quarterback in the league. We do, but he just but, but he he shows it he to us every year. And here's the thing. We've talked about it earlier, and I, I wanted to say something. But great teams, uh, uh, we were talking about MMA, championship rounds. Great fighters win championship rounds. There is no bigger championship round of football than the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And then there's no bigger fourth. <laughs> there's no bigger championship round after that. Then that two minute warning. That two minute it's warning. Minute but warning. get tight. And I'm telling you, I thought for a minute that Josh Allen had surpassed Patrick Mahomes with that last touchdown drive. I was, I was just in awe of what had just happened. And then the field goal attempt, tie game, overtime. When it went to overtime. I I don't think any Bills fan will come out and just say, but I could feel it. This game was over. Yeah, it was, it was slipping. This well, game was, well, well, the thing was, was when not, the, 
when the when the when the Kansas City Chiefs won the toss, the it was just like you could tell the Bills were just so fucking tired. Oh yeah, fucking tired. You know what I'm saying? The defense plays tired, man. And here's the and then the the poetic part of this is the winning touchdown pass from Mahomes to Kelsey. The pass was thrown like three seconds maybe before Kelsey even knew where the pass was going to be. But because the two have played so long, he just knew where to turn and the ball was there. He pulls it down, makes a great play with the toe tap, and that's how the game is. It's sad for every Bills fan. You can see the, the crush uh, look on Josh Allen's face. He just literally tried to win the game like three s- separate times in the same game. I mean, he had the game fucking won. And he, then he had, hey, listen, he the had the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat in the same 16 <laughs> seconds that every fucking Bills fan had. It was ripped from him. I guarantee you that guy was sitting there going, we got this game. We're going to the AFC championship. There's no fucking way Mahomes makes two elite plays and we end up in overtime. There's no way. I mean, it's just it's just the deflation of that team. And again, Kansas City gets that ball in overtime and you can just tell those defensive backs are tired. Oh, yeah. I don't even see a reason for us to talk about overtime because they had nothing left in the fucking tank. There was they nothing. They were yes, tired. Absolutely. Momentum had swung so fucking hard. And at that point, Barring Mahomes making an absolute mistake and urinating on himself, which we know he ain't gonna do, they weren't losing that fucking game. Bottom line. So here's the thing: is it was a fantastic game for anybody that loves football. If you watch that game, you'll be thoroughly amused and entertained the entire game. It was amazing. Two, yep. two, Jeff- two, two quarterbacks that and, and I'm just going to say I I truly believe that Josh Allen is in that elite group of quarterbacks. No, he is. Whatever he is and he he proved it again last night. He only gets better and all these people keep wanting to bring him down like it's still his first year in the league when he had accuracy issues and he was only throwing for like 53%. Those days are long and gone. Josh Allen's Listen, a different guy. He's elite. I'll take I'll take him off your fucking hands right now for Dak straight up. Let's make that trade happen. That guy is fucking elite, Jesse. Listen, losing losing to Patrick Mahomes. You're right. It It is. There's no shame in losing to Patrick Mahomes. It's it's Carl Malone losing to Michael Jordan. Fucking really is. There's got there's got to be a loser. And he again. Here's the thing. You know you don't want to do the, hey, don't hang your head low. Keep your head high. You've got all this great optimism moving forward, right? I know you're getting these texts. You're getting these tweets, right? And there is some validity to them, right? But it still fucking stings right now. Like, all that shit's cool, and it's good to know, right? Optimism and all that shit. And that shit will start coming back around. You'll start feeling that shit right around the draft. But right now, that shit stings. Right now, none none of that shit makes you feel any better. Trust me, as a Cowboys fan who just got their fucking mouth punched, and uh, shit pushed in last week. I've I don't I know the feeling. Trust me, I know it. it ain't I may not be on the same level as you because y'all had that W in your hand with 16 seconds, and the best quarterback in the world found a way to steal it from you. But fuck, you know what I'm saying? Again, no need to be that disappointed as a Bills fan. You just gotta hope they get another chance next year, another crack. The thing that sucks pessimistically speaking, and then we'll move to these next games and then we'll get off because we are going extremely long right now. Um, you don't want to be pessimistic and go, but man, what if? 
What if that was our last window? What if that that was our last opportunity? What if that's uh, the Dallas Cowboys and the Dez caught it game and all of a sudden Romo's out and you lose everybody and everything fucking changes in a year and now you're in a rebuild? That's what you don't want, right? But I don't think that happens with the Bills, you know? When, and and the, you, as you said, you got some interval, interchangeable pieces on the coaching staff. One guy goes, another guy moves up. You still got Allen. You still got Diggs. You still got all the pieces. You still have the number one defense. You make a few plays. You make a few picks on draft. You replace who leaves. You guys are going to be all right. That's about it for Buffalo. Hey, all right. That's it. That's it. City Chiefs. I, I can end this right now by saying, hey, congratulations, Kansas City Chiefs, for winning the t- uh, 2022 Super Bowl. There's no reason to talk any more football. There's no reason to talk about it. Yes, we're going to take the next few weeks off. We're going to do it. So, <laughs> so uh, I've got the line in front of me. Kansas, Kansas City Chiefs are a seven-point favorite next week. They're at home. Who you got? That is a ridiculous line. Do you think it should be higher? It should be higher. You at think least, it, you, at think least it, points. you think it jumps up at least a point or two between now and fucking then? I don't know. It's playoffs. I think uh, Vegas likes uh, Vegas likes to keep the odds down when it when it's playoffs. Nah, that that, that money starts coming in on Kansas City. That line will fucking move up to eight or eight and a half. I, I I'm guessing it moves up to at least eight and a half by the end of the by the end of everything. Uh, I, I like Kansas City. I like Kansas City. Everything that they're doing right now. Uh, the beginning of the the first five games. Of uh, their season was was weird. Patrick Mahomes was turning the ball over like two times a game for like multiple periods of time and game. Uh, Kelsey wasn't uh, he was banked up and playing really hurt. They had COVID issues. The defense, the offensive line, none of all that is past them now. It's all behind them. I mean, and they are they're looking at the NFL in the rearview mirror and Kansas City and definitely takes points. Yep, Kansas City wins. They cover. Um, this is not about Bengals. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for playing. They've done an incredible job, but they're just they're going to be overwhelmed. Yep. Maybe they catch Kansas City on a honeymoon type game where they're just fucking coming down off of that high of beating the Bills. But but this is a. I mean, these guys are pros. They're not doing that shit. This is the this is the, the postseason they're built for. I think they win pretty handily. I think this is going to be like a 27-17 type score. The San Francisco 49ers are traveling to Southern California. The Niners fans have renamed Soho Stadium Levi's South. They are a three. The the Rams are a three, some size three and a half point favorite at home, which means Vegas thinks this is a pick em game. This is another pick'em game for the San Francisco 49ers. Jess, who you got? How far away is Santa Clara from uh if in a uh, you can get there are, on a plane in about an hour. Okay. Less than maybe 45. Just minutes. curious. Just curious. I don't know California as well as you do. I figured Yeah, so you you hop on a plane in Santa Clara, which is basically San Francisco, yeah. give or take Northern California. You hop on a fucking plane, you can be there in 45, 50 minutes. Boom. No bullshit. Uh, I'm gonna go hot take on this. I'm gonna I'll give I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a scorcher right now, and uh, I don't trust this Rams team. Yeah. Don't trust Matthew Stafford to have another game like this, especially against another. We may even say more talented defense. I like San Francisco. I like Jimmy G playing it safe, making no mistakes, not having that 375 yard game. Game manager. Like game manager Jimmy G. Mistakes. Giving the ball to Debo, giving the ball to Elijah Mitchell, giving it to Brandon Ayuk, and just letting the playmakers make plays. And that defense, I think, is going to be a lot. 
of there's just gonna be a lot of pressure. Matthew Stafford's gonna make mistakes. He's gonna make mistakes. I'm taking the hot take right now. San Francisco wins. They advance to go play Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I just saw the Rams three weeks ago choke to this 49ers team, and I feel like this 49 te- 49ers team is playing better now than they were three weeks ago. I think that they've went from nobody believes in us to now we're just fucking running on all cylinders. That defense is playing outstanding. They've shut out Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott in back-to-back games, and now you're going to give them Matt Stafford, who sometimes can be mama mama mid. I think this game gets hairy late. I think it's going to be something like 27-23 Niners. That's where I'm going. 27-23 Niners. Yeah. A matter of fact, uh, I mean, uh, I could even call it again. I'll give you you, uh, another take. This one could be very wrong, but I'm calling it right now. Niners win by another Robbie Gold. End of game. Another, Another close one? Another close one. Just hit the wrap it up button. We went very long. Folks, we did everything. We went emotional highs, emotional lows. We talked fighting. We talked Nagano and money. We talked Dana White. We talked NFL playoffs, AFC, NFC championship. And we have now given you who we think will play in the Super Bowl and the fact that we don't give two shits about the Pro Bowl. Let's bring on the AFC and NFC championship games so we can get to the Super Bowl and party like rock stars. Yes. Folks, enjoy the rest of your week. Follow us on Twitter. That's all we got. Jay at Valdez spelled backwards 559. Myself at JTT81. And of course, please follow the pod. We're still trying to build those numbers up at Team Toss 21. Folks, thanks for listening. We're out.